Good afternoon, you're listening to Scarath Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week, the show where we look at all the print media articles here in County Clare and we give our take on them and maybe draw your attention hopefully as well. Delighted to be joined, we have a full team back this week, uh, delighted to be joined by John S. Kelly. John, good morning, good how are good, you? Good afternoon, John. Good, good, good afternoon. Good. <laughs> Pat O'Brien, Pat, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jim. And David, David Fleming, most welcome Thank again. Thank you, Jim. So, uh, looking, we are dealing, I suppose, mostly with the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo here this week. And I suppose that's the front page on the Clare Champion, the, the main headline, this, the stress of this will kill people. And uh, that's certainly a headline that will draw your attention very, very quickly. And I suppose when you look at it, they're talking about the pyrite crisis. And for those people whose homes are slowly crumbling because of pyrite, um, and they feel they're getting nowhere, and they're wondering what's going to happen, John, I suppose that would be a very serious cause of stress. I, I should imagine so. Um, and that gives rise to uh, worry about whether your own house or my house is uh, just waiting to reveal a, a pirate factor in it. You know, it's, it's the uncertainty. And, you know, you can get a, 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 an evaluation done, isn't that right? And the cost, how much? 500 quid, is it? To have a look at the whether there's pirate yeah, here. Yeah. Oh, I think it, 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 it's, it's much more, is it? It's a 6,000, John. To, to have it looked at now, just to get yeah. a report. Yeah. And then you find out whether you have pirate or you don't yeah, have it. Yeah. Oh, I think it's up against 6,000. Well, whatever it is, anyway, mm. uh, it's a fiercely stressful situation. Have any of you um, seen any house sh that shows evidence of it? You, you haven't bothered to go around looking at no. your own. Yeah, well, I see a house over in Would you recognise it instantly? There's a terrible state with cracks and down the corners. And yeah. I wouldn't like to believe it. I said it in the radio for And Pat, when was that house built? Um, Roughly. I think it was probably built in the 80s, I'd say. In the 80s, because yeah. the, the, the piece that um, Fiona McGarry has yeah. Yeah, is, is very much talking about the Celtic Tiger period, and it just is very interesting. The man who's a construction sector professional whatever that means, um, who's giving this information to Fiona on the basis of anonymity, said uh, he recalled instances during the Celtic Tiger period uh, when bales of concrete blocks would crumble on site mm. and have to be returned to the supplier. He said that when construction companies raised concerns, they would be told those blocks. And you could almost hear this being said. Uh, those blocks were too fresh. Were too fresh. But uh, David, realistically, um, if your house was built between 1970 and because it seems to be 1970s, it first it's emerged, yeah, isn't yeah. that right? Um, you're facing, according to the professionals, you're facing uh, a revelation um, shortly, aren't you? Well, it's worrying that your that your house. But I don't know of many houses from the seventies or well, Pat said that house might be eighties or nineties. I'd say the major problem is probably the most recently built house in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, because I, 
you come across blocks from the 1970s or 80s and they they are very hard to break. Yeah, yeah those blocks are Depending very on the companies, maybe. Depending on the company. Yeah, so I'm wondering, I, I, I'm going to go now to a friend of mine uh, who, who knows my own house and, and, and ask him, you know, yeah. can you tell us at all? But I mean, John, and, and listeners, I suppose, it, it's very visible if you, if you have it. It's, yeah. There'll be cracks. Yeah, in very bad, in, in some of the yeah. very bad ones, it's yeah. very visible. Yeah. So the stress of it will kill people. That's, I'd hate to comment on, on that heading. Do you know? I think it's a bit emotional or a bit emotive, um, yeah. but it's certainly, if you are one of the people involved, uh, I can't remember now how many mm. houses are affected in the county, but it's, it's, have we got that statistic or is it reported anywhere? It's in, it's in the champion somewhere. I think it's, did I hear a figure of a thousand mentioned? A thousand. And that is not an insignificant yeah, the second number. Page there, uh, second page there, um, yeah. uh, David. Um, there's, there's some of that in your council preparing. Now, the council are preparing a further priority report for the department. Fiona, Fiona McGarry has another, another story down here in the bottom of, the, of page two. Yeah. And then you have um, Parlick McMahon has a pyrite problems getting worse. Uh, Parlick has it on page uh, 17 of, of, of page seven of the vehicle. Clare is suspected to be one of the worst affected counties in the country when it comes to pyrite. 350 local authority homes are affected by pirates. A briefing between Clare County Council and members of the Clare Pirate Council. How many, how many you say, Pat? 350 uh, uh, local authority houses. And 1,000 homes, so, so it's certainly over 1,000. That really does, um, like we all, we would, we would have always heard that Donegal was the most affected place. That's right. Um, and it now appears that it, it could be could be clear. They're looking as well, it said, core sampling is currently, I'm reading from page two of the Clare Champion, yeah. core sampling is currently the officially recognised test for deleterious materials in block. Yeah. With the minimum cost at around €7,000, yeah. the man in question here has not yet gone down that route. God Lord. Yeah. Tell me, have you any feeling... Uh, about the question of whether the state takes, should take on total responsibility for this. The people who made the blocks, I think, the companies who made the blocks uh, should shoulder some of the uh, compensation. Now, the state may have to also sh shoulder some of the compensation, or some, yeah, some of the compensation yeah. if, if, um, the reg if there were no regulations. Now, if there were regulations, and the, the companies didn't follow the regulations, then the companies are totally involved, and then cases should have been brought. But, uh, but I think it's all a bit blurred and a bit hazy, and that is why I think the state has stepped in. Yeah, I'm the wondering, uh, David, about, about the responsibility of the state in relation to building regulations. Now, and I also uh, am, I am sensitive to the fact that the, the supplier or the maker of the block is supposed to test for moisture before in fact i don't know how you do it now but that's yeah that's but when did that come in john is the question um and we all know during the celtic tiger years yeah, the only they there was all sorts of corners being cut yes, and regulations being mm bended a little bit, and we're but seeing some of the results of that now. Like, there are some houses that have no pyrite problems, but that won't last the length of time at all. If, no. if, if, if uh, a council estate 
shows up one house built at the same time. Isn't it a reasonable supposition yeah. Yeah. to yeah. make that, 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 that entire stage is, is are waiting way. to be revealed yeah. as well? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah. Certainly, they're at risk. Yeah. Well, uh, on, uh, yeah, they have to be. They were all built from the same. Well, I know that I talked to the men that saw Owen Kilkitchen now, and I just asked him, we just talked to him where, where, he got his, where he got his blouse, and, and he said he got it from a well known company. Yeah. A yeah. well known national company? Yeah. yeah. I suppose, though, that, I mean, the reason the stress is not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Not knowing how it's going to be resolved. Yeah. That will, is the stress. You know, will they be homeless yeah. and with no recourse to any mm. assistance mm. from yeah. the state? I, 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 think I, I think our council has to take some responsibility in that w the council was very late to the game because the government has already announced a scheme for uh, other places, particularly yes. Donegal, and, and they have bans and they have uh, all of those sorts of questions have been mostly answered now. But Claire was very late to that and that's why they've been requesting reports and all of this sort of thing. Um, and that's what's causing the stress. Yeah. I suppose, though, if there is a scheme yeah. which covers, let's say, Donegal or Mayo or mm, wherever, yeah. Mm, yeah. and the same problems arise in Clare, albeit discovered later, I mean, the, the, the moral compulsion is that this should cover everybody. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it, it will have to. Mm. I mean, you can't treat two counties differently anyway. And if it's, as Pat has hinted at, the, the, there are national suppliers of blocks, there could be houses all over the country mm. affected by this. Okay, yeah. listen, we'll, we'll leave it there anyway. It's well covered in both the papers and with the headline that we mentioned. And it's not going to go away anytime it soon. It is indeed. Staying with the front page, and I suppose we'll stay with the front page of the Clare Champion, and they're talking about labour shortages and the heading labour shortages bite across all sectors in the Banner County. Um, which is something, David, we're not used to. We're not used to it. It's usually the other way around that, 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 that we're talking about unemployment. But this is, this, and it's quite surprising that uh, there are these labour shortages. So, you know, COVID-19 has had an impact. Um, but the, I'll read from Owen Ryan's piece on the front page. There were fears not so long ago that the pandemic could spark a serious economic downturn. But as it stands, employers across Clare and beyond are actually struggling to get people with a major jobs boom underway and many workers having re-evaluated what they want from employment. And it gives the example here of La Hinch. Hotelier Michael Vaughan uh, told the Clare Champion that despite spending thousands on advertising jobs, and you do spend thousands if you're advertising in the papers um, and online, uh, he has had almost no applications from people eligible to work in the European Union. And whatever it is, we're not sure what it is, whether it's a sort of a, 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 a it's probably a pandemic legacy, maybe, or is it something to do with Brexit people? Yeah, the people that we rely on, which are the Eastern Europeans, to come and do the work that yeah, the Irish people how, themselves how, don't want to do. Yeah, how much exploitation has uh, taken place with regard to uh, foreign labour? Well, 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 that's a very serious yeah, well, word, no, exploitation. Uh, well, if, if they were paying, you know, below... But they would be paying... There's a certain amount, but you, you, you heard this problem in, 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 the, in the Celtic Tiger time as well, where, you, where an awful lot of Eastern Europeans came into the country, and when, when the Celtic Tiger, when he died, yeah. and he was buried, uh, they all left. I went home. Went home. 
Why would you yeah. stay here when the jobs were were yeah. there? Were gone. Yeah. Yeah, were yeah. gone. But no. now we but now we would expect people to be coming back, um, looking. But there, you see, the thing about Eastern Europe is their economies are like the Irish economy was in the seventies and eighties, yeah. developing. Yeah. Mm. And there are reasons to stay now in Poland and reasons to stay in Lithuania and yes. other places like that. Why are why why our own citizens? Irish citizens don't take up these uh, job opportunities. I don't know. I'll t well, one factor is that it is there is a job boom. There is a, the market is is there uh, in certain areas. Yeah, it is, and people are choosing now um, where they want to work, what they want to do. Um, you know, working from home and all the rest. And certain jobs are becoming less attractive. So, somebody said to me uh, last week that. Um, uh, when an interview takes place now, okay, it's very often the interviewee that is doing, is doing the interview. And they'll ask questions which they would have been very reluctant to ask at interview 10, 15 years ago. And ask, to what extent does your company support the principle of off-site employment? Do you know? Um, no. Think of the culture of the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, and some cheeky young lad or girl coming in and, and beginning the, the, process, the interview process with a question like that. Yeah. And yeah. What, what kind of health uh, support systems yeah. do you have in you your company? You could be guaranteed you wouldn't get the job. <laughs> For starters, there may, there may also be an addendum to the next reference that guy gets. Yes. The, the other factor, just thinking about it, um, why we're not attracting other European citizens yeah. to here is our accommodation crisis and the cost of living in Ireland. Yeah, yeah it's a problem as well. Uh, if, you have, if, you, if, you, if, if you have people here, Polish people, who've been settled here for decades yeah, now, yeah. writing over to their family and to Poland, they wouldn't be recommending coming here because they'd be telling you, listen, and they probably don't want them to stay in their own house. Like, you know, think, think now before you come to this country. Yeah. Whereas we should be reaping the benefits, actually, from Brexit. You have Michael Vahandel of the Vahand Lounge Hotel, uh, change of attitude, stress, stressing business, and uh, it's his own right, has the, has the, but um, I just read a corner here about, uh, with, with the prevalence, what, uh, in relevance to what David was saying there, with the prevalence of Airbnb, there isn't, an affordable, there isn't any affordable accommodation. For instance, a house that, may, that my staff were renting three years ago in the Hinge, they were renting for 400 euros a, week, a month, a two-bedroom property. The owners were now looking for 5,000 a month for the same property. So It is hard to believe, isn't it? Hmm. And I, that, th those statistics are hard to believe. And I've, I was talking to somebody today, uh, now it's not County Clare, um, he's gone off to New York and he said, I could easily get a job in Dublin, but the accommodation in New York is nearly as cheap, cheap, cheap. than and the Dublin accommodation. Cheap. And isn't it, isn't yeah. it a fact as well that as an economy, you know, strengthens, mm. okay, that uh, uh, young people, they opt into the, the, the global culture of travel. Mm. Yes. Okay. Now, travel not for work, but for experience. Mm. Whatever that is, and that's a good thing, and that's uh, that's a, a kind of identifiable mm. with developing developed mm. economies mm. and developed society. Mm. There was the other type of of uh, emigration 
in 40 years ago, 30 yeah. years ago, yeah. where it was yeah. for work. Yeah. No, okay. no. Yeah. they can afford. And they, they are people who might have taken a year off af after qualifying wherever they qualified yeah. in Ireland, might have taken a, a year off uh, to, to, to further study. Well, they're not there now. My dad's in, in Toronto now, and Michael is in, is in a, an apartment over there. And um, it's cheaper than any apartment in Dublin. Yeah. And there's a gym downstairs in it for all the, all the residents. And there's a, they have a, there's a pool upstairs above on the roof. There it is. So pool. you'll be going over to Toronto a very pool. soon. A pool, <laughs> a pool above on the roof. A pool. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. saying it's very attractive, really. It is, it is yeah. attractive, yeah. 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 Okay. But just going back there to you. You've um, a shortage of workers across all sectors. Joe Robbins there, he's the recruitment in, in Shannon online is the story there as well. So he, he's, he's saying that the, the, the shortage of the shortage of workers across all sectors. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's interesting because, you know, it's been reported for a good while, uh, the shortage of workers in the hospitality okay, sector. Yeah, yeah. But um, I know Joe isn't in the hospitality sector. That's yeah. not his area. But um, it's it's interesting that there are so many, yeah. you know, that across well, multiple areas. What we need to do, and they, we've seen it done in the past, is the state having to go out to incentivize, to incentivize, go to uh, countries across Europe and outside of Europe to encourage people to come here, but to make it attractive to come here as well. And if we have to build the swimming pools, I think uh, increase yeah. the wages um, is one factor, or deal with the accommodation if they could deal with the accommodation there are certain mm. things outside of the government's control like the cost of living but if they can e if they can at least provide accommodation that's the factor that we haven't had in the past mm. and that's really and coming to affect us now and of course the war on the refugees yeah. is going to is going is, is, is going to yeah. affect accommodation as well it'll help the labor shortage i suppose yeah. yeah. joe robbins there points out that yeah. he has yeah. secured employment for some ukrainians yeah. in, in zimmer in in shannon, shannon where, yeah. where yeah. Joe but that's from. okay because they're based in shannon remember now some of our refugees don't have cars, they'll have to rely on public transport. Imagine a Vahans hotel there in the Hinge. The, they're in, our refugees are in Listunvarna and Shannon and Ennis. They have to get there. They're in Kilkee as well. They're in Kilkee. So Kilkee will be fine. But they have to, and if there isn't public transport, that's, yeah. that's eliminating that workforce. Well, we, have the, we have that clear, that clear, that use, that clear bus driving around East Clare, and a lot of the time they'll be in Clare. Maybe that we should send them over to the West Clare. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, did see two I did see two people on the bus just one day. Just a small point. I worked as a student, a secondary level student, in the 1950s in the hotel business in Kilkee. There were four of us. And the hotel provided the accommodation and the meal, yeah, the yeah. food. Mm. So any hotel in County mm. Clare that's saying we can't get, offer accommodation. Yeah. That's a good idea, John. Right? Yeah, that's a like good idea. They, yeah. Like they did in the 1950s yeah. and yeah. 1960s. Yeah. 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 Okay. Makes sense. Okay, Makes sense. we'll go on. Uh, I'm not sure if we have any army veterans here around the table, but... Uh, Army veterans have been causing a stir <laughs> down listen, in Shannon. Listen, Jim, I'd say John Kelly has done so many things in his life that he might well have served in some capacity in the armed forces. <laughs> no, I was never an FCA. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pat, the, um, the army veterans were 
two army veterans were convicted of uh, causing problems at Shannon Airport. Yeah, um, Isabel Hayes and, and Claire Henry have the story here on the front of the champion. Uh, two US Army veterans in their 80s had been fined 5,000 each and with it for interfering with the operation of Shannon Airport as part of an anti-war protest three years ago. The jury of Dublin um, Circuit Criminal Court acquitted Ken Myers, 85, and Tarek Kayouf, 80, of criminal damage to the airport for criminal offence and for trespassing on the airport with intent to commit an offence or interfere with property. The verdict came on Tuesday afternoon after more than five and a half hours of deliberations. Of course, they, they, yeah, they, they're anti-war people, so I suppose today. You imagine that at 80, they'd probably stay at home and relax and be... <laughs> the seemingly passionate, they were very polite protesters in yeah. that um, they very much cooperated. <laughs> I believe, I believe that sometimes the protesters have to actually alert the, the authorities that they're actually there yes. uh, in order to be noticed. But um, anyway, I think their case, well, I've followed the case on the national media because this, this did reach the RT news headlines. And um, they were acquitted, of course, of two of the, two of the um, accusations uh, and, and convicted on, on one of them, which is the criminal damage one. Um, but I think their case was that because the state doesn't check the planes uh, for, for arms, um, that, they were, that they felt that as, as um, well, they're not citizens, but as, as, as veterans that they needed to check the planes. But anyway, the jury didn't agree with them on that front. I, I think they'll get like the, 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 the fine that they could receive is up to two hundred and fifty thousand euro and uh, or two yeah. years in prison. I, they won't they get prison the, anyway. They got, the, they got the fine, five thousand. They yeah. got five thousand each. And so they, they got a slap on the wrist. They spent thirteen days in Limerick prison. They yeah. did, they did. And um just two, isn't the two years what what else went with the uh, Oh they didn't get any two hundred and fifty thousand fine. No, that's what... And two, two years in prison or that, more. That's what they could have got. Could've but got. Yeah. Judge Ryan fined the men €5,000 yeah. each. She noted that both men have already lodged 2500 as condition of their bail. She yeah. has requested that a further 2500 each be lodged as soon as possible. I, I, I suspect they might appeal it, but... Um, Judge Patricia Ryan said yeah. that the Shannon Airport was closed for 40 minutes and it was a serious offence. Uh, she said she was taking into consideration my great my mitigating factors such as the men's cooperation, age, and excellent work history, and neither of men neither of the men had, had any previous convictions. She so is it okay for you, Pat, to go off and protest? And yeah. if I went off and protested, the book would be thrown at me because you're old men. Okay, you get <laughs> off. Hold a, hold a second up. <laughs> what about the question of arms being shipped? Are being flown via Shannon hmm. to Poland to be transferred to the Ukrainian army. Now, how does that reality, which is, you know, is happening probably fairly regularly per week, well, well, well arms we, from America? We, we don't know that they're coming through Shannon I, Airport. I'm telling you, let's say for the sake of even the argument, it would be reasonable to suppose that it's coming through Shannon. Okay. They can't land in the Azores out there and, and, and hop, hop along that way. So, now I'm putting it to you, anybody who objects to, let us say, the, um, 
planes, the American planes, traveling uh, through mm -hmm. Shannon on the way to Iraq or wherever else it, they would be going. Consider now that you know about what has been happening in the Russia, Russian-Ukrainian situation. You know the men yeah. are there to fight. They're mm -hmm. asking for weapons. The weapons yeah. are yeah. traveling. Yeah. 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 I'm saying they're traveling via Shannon. Now, that what, would, what do they John, say? that would create significant problems for our government. Well, it's thinking too. Who have not sent arms on behalf of this state. Yeah. They have sent helmets. They have sent all this other non-offensive non material. material. And therefore, if arms were being sent yeah. via Shannon Airport, yeah. it would create significant problems for our well, government. Well, it's only landing. All we're doing is letting the planes land and refuel. In, in Putin, going to... No, you can't avoid, uh, uh, you know... But Ireland becomes a legitimate target then. Pardon? Ireland becomes a legitimate target. So you say for, we should... For the Russians. You're saying we should not allow arms to well, pass if through. Well, if we are a neutral state, we have to observe neutrality. If we're not a neutral state, then bring as many arms and as much arms but to where do you, if where, you where, where is your own thinking on it? Because you, well, you expressed and Pat expressed um, and Jim expressed uh, I, I, views. Uh, yeah. Um, if, uh, if I have believed in neutrality, and I probably still believe in neutrality, and if we do believe in that, you have to be neutral. If that's what you believe in. There's no such thing as absolute neutrality. I mean, you can be fairly... Uh, the Swiss are quite good at being absolutely neutral. And they're one of the biggest arms dealers in the world. No, but that's different now. <laughs> um, is, it, is it the Swiss government? I don't know. Um, it's Swiss-based companies. I'm sure the Swiss are good at banking as well. Uh, I mean, sorry. the Swiss do make money uh, on war. They do. But they, they, are, they don't involve themselves in it in, oh, in, a, in a direct way. Yeah. The only thing is, I, I, you know, I'm against war like the rest of us are against war. But it's, it's really the easy option to go down to Shannon and start protesting. I mean, if you really are... Not you, no, but if, if a person... <laughs> He's pointing to me, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> if someone is really serious, let them go to Moscow and protest against yes, the war. Yes. You know, it is so easy, in my view anyway... But the Russians it. aren't doing anything. Um, it's the, the... This, of course, this was nothing to do with the Ukrainian war until John Kelly decided to put, put this little factor in. The, yeah. These protesters, this, this incident happened long before the Ukraine war. Really? And, and it was about the, the, the use of Shannon by America for Afghanistan, yes, Syria, and, and all of those. But we have a wonderful country uh, where, you know, you can, you're entitled to go out and protest against the government, against yeah. anything that you don't like in this country. That now, is true. You, you haven't a right to damage property or anything, yeah. but you do have a right to protest. And, and, I mean, that's a precious right, and people, I would support everybody who does protest. You can't do that in, in Russia. You cannot do that in Russia, and laptop. it's against that kind of, a, I suppose, an yeah. evil and influence, yeah. an aggressive influence yeah. in Europe. As you describe that now, an image is coming up in my own mind. Uh, a baby in the arms of a, a mother. All right. Shot crossing street. Shot in the back. Can you be neutral about an action like that? Well, you can. You can. You As can condemn it. Like, can you of course, you have to condemn anything like that. I think we were never neutral 
that's my coming back uh, to my point. I, I do. I so think we were, were we, we were only neutral in in first in the Second World War because we couldn't be seen to be pro-British. Um, so we were neutral. But I mean, in in the in in the practicalities of things. When, when any British prisoners of war were captured, we yeah. let them back. Uh, and we didn't do that with Germans. So, I mean, I, I think, yeah. I don't think we, we have ever been neutral. In those, sorts of, in those sorts of ways, they're only minor, and, we, and the historians and the history books always tout those sorts of things. But did we put Irish men and women, Irish men at the time, in danger at that time? We didn't. Were our cities bombed during the Second World War? They weren't, because yeah. we were neutral. Well, that, if, if Shannon becomes a legitimate target for any belligerent power, if we facilitate the opposite side, we could have been a target for Al-Qaeda or any of those, uh, rightly or wrongly, because of American use yeah. uh, there. And that shouldn't surprise us if they did target us as a result. That's what I'm saying. Um, Would you actually, if you were going down a street... Uh, late at night with a couple of your friends, male friends, we'll say, okay. After... Uh, Walking after down Tim Graney, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Walking home after a night in And in you, obs you observe a girl yeah. coming against you. And she is, uh, we'll say, um, clearly she has been, uh, where she enjoyed whatever it was to be enjoyed, drink-wise. Mm. And two guys or one guy, seemed to step out of nowhere. You see it happening. And he draws a belt on the girl from behind. Now you're faced with a question which tests the essence of new, 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 neutral yeah. behavior. Yeah. Okay. They, would, I, he, would he interfere? You can, and of course, you, you can try to intervene. Would you, would you shoot the individual? Would you attack the individual? You, you try to protect the girl. And of course, this is the great strength of neutral states. There is a place in the world for non-aligned states, for the peacemaking process, to actually step in. And Ireland, whether we have it or not, um, uh, whether that reputation is justified or not, we have gone into war zones as peacemakers. So I see the state's role very much in that context. Um, we're on the, Ireland is on the, the Security Council at the moment, partly because of its reputation, because we can convince. Yes. There are lots of um, states uh, around the world who don't necessarily follow the, the Western view of the Ukrainian situation, um, for whatever reason. Um, they all lament what's going on, but it's, 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 there, are, there, are, there is a role, I think, for peacemakers. And I think that's the point of these two chaps. Remember, they had fought in Vietnam. Does anybody think today that the Vietnam War was justified? I'm not sure no, any, really. I'm not sure many people, I'm not sure historians looking back on that event, it was a geopolitical thing, but did the Vietnamese want it? Um, so we, we are in a situation, I think, where some people are trying their best to highlight the problems of military use of certain facilities. Yeah, but of course, that's, 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 militarism is one aspect mm. of international behavior, mm. okay? and it comes in under the question of neutral or otherwise. But there are many other actions that which the countries become involved in, all right? 
Oh, I agree with you. And I think Ireland is, is doing it. Well, and Ireland has, we have definitely taken a side. Okay, listen, we've reached half time in our deliberations today. Pat, have we a bit of music <laughs> to uh, ease the tension? Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. Russia with love, maybe. We'll go with Engelbert Humperdinck. He was 88 and won the last. Please Good release job. me. What? It was, please release me. It was released in 1966. Are you talking about the two veterans now? <laughs> We're also in their 80s. Yes. And, and want to be released. And want to be released. <laughs> These octogenarians. Okay, thank you, Pat. Yes. No, I don't make no comment on that. <laughs> Very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scariff Bay Community Radio. And that was Engelbert Humperdinck with Please Release Me, uh, Pat O'Brien's choice as always. I so hope our listeners don't believe that, don't be thinking, <laughs> will they ever finish this show and <laughs> let's get on to the next one. <laughs> Please release us. No, Pat O'Brien, I see you're looking there at the front page of the Clare Echo and a photograph has caught your eye. Well, of course, we, we, um, Jim, we had a big win last Sunday against the Rebels. And uh, there's a lovely photograph here on the front of the, of the Clare Echo with uh, the uh, manager, uh, Brian Lohan, and um, having a big hug with Pat, Pat Fitzgerald, the county secretary. So um, the hidden is, hang on to your pet. That's the, that's the thought. It's, uh, that's most his... Um, is uh, the enjoyment of, of winning and all that. Yeah, but it's great to see. It is great to see. I mean, there's a very united team, obviously, a united yeah. panel, yeah. and the officials yeah. are, are of yeah. one mind as well. Of course they are, they don't know. How could it be otherwise? We could be meeting meet Cork again before the end of the year, so we'd have to... <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yeah. Anyway, no great, great. You were there, Jim. I was there, yeah, we were, we were covering a game, our commentary team of Pat and Leo yeah. were covering the Camogie match which, uh, between Tip and Clare, the Munster senior Camogie semi-final, uh, which took place prior to the hurling game, and that game finished in a draw, yeah. so the, the replay is and today. today yeah. Yeah. Now, and uh, I see in the, in the echo, um, uh, in the cock echo, somebody arising in the small section, and he said, yeah, uh, cock out muscled and out huddled by the banner. Jeez. So he's very, very. Uh, but you can't <laughs> deny <laughs> the truth of us. And then another fellow had it down further. He said that uh, uh, a two pint, a two pint hammering. Yes, <laughs> a two pint. Yeah. Well, that's and that's what it was—a two pint hammering. It should have been a lot more. It should have been a lot more. Should, yeah. Anyway, uh, photographs uh, in the Clare Champion as well, Pat. Since we're on the subject of photographs. Uh, a whole page load there on, on the back of the main section of the Care Champion, uh, one of our local camogie teams. Well, in, in recent weeks, uh, we have all these uh, photographs of, of ladies uh, receiving their trophies and their medals. So, Fiji Kilnina were um, recently uh, celebrating the, the win of the Intermediate Camogie Championship and uh, League. 
and they have all their photographs here. There's a full page of photographs of the ladies in there, out in there. Uh, out in their what? Out in their nice dresses and <laughs> their finery. Out to the out to, out to the last. They're lovely, aren't Looking they? Away, yeah. yeah, really well worth. And there are yeah. other photographs here and there through the paper. Through the paper, as well. as well, yeah. yeah. So, so we'll, uh, con- we'll congratulate them on their. They do. Wedding. Who's the photographer? Is it Natasha Barton? Uh, it is Natasha Barton. Yes. yes so yeah. takes lovely photos. So well done, Natasha. Uh, looking here at the Clare Champion as well. On the handball section, uh, national handball titles for Minogue and Rogers. Minogue is Liam Minogue from mm. Budaik, mm. and Rogers is Paul Rogers from Scarif. So uh, they're really emerging as top. I, I would say Toom Graney uh, because yes. she's my neighbour, yes. and I don't consider myself Budaik. <laughs> Even though we had a lovely Budaik um, uh, show uh, there the last weekend, but you know we're very much Tomb Grainy, Jim. I stand corrected. I stand Even corrected. though I'm a Corkman, <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're both members of Tomb Grainy Handball Club. That's correct. Yeah. Well, is... but I can Tomb Grainy are the one parish, so you want to be. But we're on the Tomb Grainy side <laughs> of the parish. We're on the two... Have we'll we be talking a bit about. Here, I wonder. We'll be talking a little bit about names now in a minute, yeah. and I think there'll be a case made shortly to change the name of the parish. <laughs> anyway, congratulations from yeah. Scarif Bay to Leah and to Paul. Indeed. Now, uh, we were talking about, I suppose, weapons of mass destruction before the break, and we were talking about the use of Shannon. But uh, East Clare Independent TD Michael McNamara is talking about something which uh, mightn't be quite as lethal as as some of the weapons we're talking about, but uh, can be most irritating, and that's crowbangers. Do have any of you ever laid, laid awake in the morning <laughs> trying to get a little bit of extra sleep and uh, crowbangers going off outside? The I have to up? say, Jim, uh, never in my life has that happened to me. I've been very fortunate in places where I've lived, I suppose, but I, I have experienced the crowbanger. My uncle up the mountains in the Galtee Mountains had one. I have no idea because he doesn't, never had tillage, but um, because they're often used for tillage. Just for people who may not be familiar with the, the these are um, machines which make the sound of a gunshot or even yeah, an artillery piece there. So yeah, and they frighten yeah. the birds away and they go at fairly regular intervals. Yeah. And um, they use them in, in, in carbon. Mostly. Mostly, mostly in corn, corn yeah. 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 They make an almighty full sound. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously if you live close by to them, which is, I think, Deputy McNamara's point, uh, you might be sensitive to this sort of thing. It might frighten all the other birds. It might actually frighten your animal if you have pets too. I don't know. But uh, Deputy yeah. McNamara asked the minister... Uh, Minister Ryan, Eamon Ryan, uh, whether there is going to be any new legislation about preventing these or controlling the crow bangers, and the minister said no, there isn't any new legislation, but that there is current legislation in the area and that it's up to the local authorities uh, to enforce it and that the department will send out an information leaflet to the local authorities. So I suppose if you are being uh, pestered or annoyed, take it up with the local authority and see what they yeah. can do. But it is, it's a sensitive area when you think about it, because it's not for fun. A farmer will actually uh, use a crowbanger, do you know? There's money involved in that, the loss of seed, the loss of crop, and mm-hmm. we're being asked 
particularly this year, we've been asked at farm level to grow mm. uh, more oats, barley, uh, aren't we? Well, are, are, are there alternatives, though? That's I, and I don't know the answer the to that. Are there alternatives? There are, there are ways, apparently. Beyond in the golf club, very interesting situation. Um, they, they put, how would you describe it, during the spring, um, to protect the, the greens, um, which were being carefully hand, uh, handled and manipulated, and crows were coming in on and, and biting out, you know, grass uh, and, chunks, rats and chunks of it. They put up a, f a what would you call a it? A decoy. A decoy, yeah. Of, of a bird of prey. A bird of, of prey. And, when mm. the, and did it work? Oh, it worked extremely well. Yeah. But if you saw it when it was in full flight over, it mm. was uh, quite a, a scene. It looked at a distance, it looked like it was a massive, yeah. a massive mm. bird of prey. There is an alternative, isn't it? Mm. Could, yeah. could that be used by farmers, do you think? That kind of thing? Mm. Well, I, I'd suggest actually go to the Department of Education that have a booklet on uh, noise control in agriculture. If we were to make my clearly again, you would have 100,000 acres of corn above and with meat. And many of those bond of prey fellas do it. It's a problem now. It is a problem, yeah. The Wicklow particularly. I must say, you know, we've had it in the general area where I live and I've never found it a problem. How close were you? Well, you could hear it easily. I mean, could Several you? hundred meters, yeah. but, but you could hear yeah. it. Would it be ongoing? Would we we mentioned, would it be ongoing? Time. Oh yeah, every so often. It would be fairly yeah. yeah. in a time, John. We, we, yeah. we mentioned just very briefly, Jim, we mentioned just before coming on air that there was that very sad case uh, in, in, in Cork, I think we, we said it was, where a neighbor was pestering another neighbor with a crow banger um, uh, right beside the house. So. Anyway, obviously yeah. Deputy McNamara is responding to maybe some constituents who have ah, yes, an yes, issue. Yes. But no, that being said, I haven't heard it for a good while, uh, you know, so for yeah. a number of years, so yeah. maybe it's not a, an issue in the Scariff area. Anyway, Broadford is mentioned in both papers this week, and without any hard evidence, there seems to be, uh, you know, it seems to be gaining momentum that the Broadford um, sewerage scheme, um, which, from, for which there's the overall figure of 50 million uh, is available. Now, Broadford wouldn't cost that, but it appears that Broadford stands in, in a good place in order to be selected for, uh, for one, of these, um, one of these schemes and would get its sewerage, its sewerage scheme. Hasn't been made definite yet, David, but uh, no. it's, it, as I said, it's, it's gathering momentum. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it, Jim, that um, the, the, the politicians are really pushing Broadford uh, for this. It's a national scheme, which the minister announced um, uh, last week or two weeks ago, and, you, and the council has to prioritise it, number one, from the county, because uh, I think I think there, there are only going to be about 10 places, Pat, am I right, uh, cases, being yeah. covered nationally. Yeah. So as we were working out, there's 26 counties, so not every place, and there's massive pressure around the country looking for these. And the council has to spend 15% of it, so they'll get 85% of the cost of it out of this 15, 50 million nationwide sewerage scheme, yeah. mm -hmm. and they'll have to put 15% up again. So the 
momentum, I'd say, so Cottle Crow and various other councillors are, are all mentioned here in both papers as saying Broadford is next in line, Broadford must be sorted out before anybody else. So I think they're putting subtle pressure on the council authorities. Mm -hmm. The council authorities will have to have come up with some way now of saying, well, yes, Broadford is deserving over, over any other place in County Clare. Doolin mm -hmm. is mentioned as well. There, there are various other places mentioned, you see. Um, and if the 15% of the council would have to come up with is a substantial it, figure in itself. It no, would well, be a substantial Jim, figure. Minute, no. I mean, we're about to give them a rake of water from down around the southeast, uh, you know, yeah, border. And, and as you said many times, David, um, a charge, and Pat has, uh, has added his strong voice to <laughs> it. I even put a figure on it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, the point is, uh, there has to be trade-offs. Listen, what's, right? what, 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 it, it, John, it's your property tax, my property tax, and everybody's property tax they'll be paying for I'd this. support Broadford up to the hilt. Well, there you go. And we, I think we all would. Um, um, so, so let's see where it goes. It's up to the council now to make a decision. So um, let's see what happens. What just, would a scheme, Pat, have you any idea what a scheme would cost? I'd say roughly 5,000. What? 5 million. Uh, 5 million. 5 million. 5 million. So Broadford could have a scheme. For five million. Five million. So fifteen percent of that is about seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to put five million. Joe Cooney, I was talking about, and he said possibly three or three and a half million. But so the way prices are going, you want to be you want to be you want to be covering yeah. that five million. You know? So we suggest five million. Yeah, it shouldn't be any reason to uh, stop. But then the government will have to decide. So there's a few little steps to this. The mm. council needs to prioritise Broadford, if Broadford is yeah. the case. And then it needs to, a case needs to be made for the national mm. pot. Yeah. And how the government will have some sort of criteria. Yeah. Now, you can, e you can see the way the pieces are being written. Broadford is waiting 40 years for this, so that's it. Land bought. Every, land every, bought so. every village is waiting 40 years. They yeah. have the, so they, they have the land mills for the sewer spent as well. They have the, but they have the, the land, haven't they, in Broadford? But they have it over in Ockerhans mills as well, so we could be, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we could be in line for it as a man like you will, will, will not show any bias. In. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have 12, just, just to put it into context, you know, you have 12 villages in the Killaloo Municipal District that have, right. doesn't have any public soldiers. So, you know, you're talking of the county, many 5 5 districts. So if there's 12 and all the rest of them, that's 60 villages. Going by, you know, what's here. How many miles are you from the, from the Broadford, from the Broadford boundary? How many miles would the village of... Yeah, but so, of yeah, the village is, yeah, the village is three, three miles. Three, three miles. Three miles apiece, yeah. Yeah, so when the, the Broadford scheme is being, you know, mm. uh, developed. You'd be just a, a couple of miles from. Could you feel into that? You, 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 you wouldn't because you'd be three miles from the village. You'd be three, at least three, the village of Ocarina's Mills would be three miles from the village of Broadford. So you, I, I couldn't see him doing, going all the way down to You could tap in. But you're in, talking about, didn't we discuss that on a programme here some months back? That uh, uh, village, large villages in West Clare. Yeah, but we're the, looking to tie in to. Yeah, but they were close together. They were close together. Villages mm -hmm. were close together. The likes of Liscannor and Lahinch, but the likes of 
Uh, Parik has a story called Loch Rainey Selected for 20 Million Waters of Life Scheme. Now, certainly the what headline. Page is that, it's on page 18 in the Clare Echo, John. Uh, and it's, 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 it's East Clare page, a top team, and the champion. On the champion. And it's the green, I mean, on the face of it, getting, a 20, getting to be part of a 20 million euro scheme. I know there will be other places as well. Uh, David, you're looking at that. Yeah, intently. It, yeah, on the face, I was just working out what they're going to spend the twenty million on, and it's it's not altogether clear. Um, Lockrainy selected for twenty million euro waters of life scheme. Life, uh, life is the what they're calling this project. It's about water quality, and about maintaining the natural water uh, that we have. And it's curious that this particular part. Um, that this, that this lake has been selected. Um, there are other places around the country as well. Um, but it seems what they're going to do is they're, they're, it, it's, they're obviously going to examine what's happening with Loch Graney, do a lot of testing. And I think it's, they're going to talk to farmers and to other landowners around to see what can be done about improving the water quality. So the suggestion is that um, their nitrates and various things, forestry potentially affecting water quality and lakes like Loch Graney, um, and see what can, what can landowners do to mitigate the effects of those. So I think it's, the money will be spent kind of on education to a large extent and consultation and maybe compensation. I don't know. It's not exactly clear. But it says here the key objectives of the Waters of Life strategic project up to 2028 will be to increase understanding of the causes of status change in these types of rivers, which can be sensitive to even minor land management changes within a catchment, enhancing public awareness. See, it's all awareness. Enhancing public awareness of the ecology, ecosystems and natural capital of high status waters and their catchments and the development of locally tailored solutions in consultation with local landowners and communities, including development of a results-based agricultural payments scheme, which will be implemented in three of the six catchments our other aspirations. Yeah. So, the, to me, it's like very much like what they've done in the burn. Well, David, we, I, am I correct in saying that we do not have an ecologist in the staff of Clare County Council? I do not know that, Jim. Do you know that, Jim? Or no, John? I don't. No, How about you, Pat? Now, it would appear to me to be, um, you know, very strange if a scheme like this and other such schemes involving an understanding of the biology, biodiversity, uh, etc., requires an ecologist to be permanently on the staff. And so yeah. I'm, I, may be, I may be ahead of myself on that one. Yeah. There may yeah. be one, but I'm not aware of... Uh, well, I know certainly it's the environmental... On a national level, it's the Environmental Protection Agency. Yeah, the EPA, um, yeah, yeah. Who, who, and we saw a map 
a couple of weeks back printed in the newspapers which showed the ask at risk rivers now i don't know who produced it but i'd agree with you john that um, local authorities should have these professional services. They often go out to consultants when they need to. Yeah. But having, if there are conservation officers and heritage officers for those branches of our localities, why not an ecologist? Um, so I, anyway, Jim, it's, I think this is a good news. And if it helps us understand as communities what we can, what we can do to improve uh, our waters, remember, a lot of fishermen come here to Loch Derg and Loch Graney and the other rivers, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're important. We need to keep our... Listen, we're almost out of time. There's a, 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 sto uh, a story that um, links in with that one, uh, David, there on page four um, of the champion. No pesticides exceedance in clear drinking water, su water supply in the past year. There is no exceedance for pesticides in the public drinking water supplies in clear in 2021, according to Irish Water. However, the utility is urging domestic gardeners, farmers, groundkeepers, and other users of pesticide products to consider the environment and whether pesticide used is necessary in the first instance. MCPA are still the most commonly detected pesticide in drinking water sources and is present in many commonly used herbicides products such as control of tissue drops or brushes. Yeah. However, it ends up in drinking water supplies. Irish Water is asking users of any herbicide or pesticide products in care to consider the, the, the vulnerability of the water supplies to, to pesticide con contamination and the importance of supplies to local homes and businesses. So it was the, 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 the urgent people to, to, not to, to be careful when they're on your spraying yeah. and all yeah. the pesticides. Oh yeah, but they've been yeah. at that for years. And, and, mm. and early, uh, yeah. Congratulations to uh, Billy Hickey and Andrew Brown from Mount Shannon Angling Club, who honoured them as long-time members for the services they had rendered uh, over the years. So well done to them. Uh, I think we're nearly there. The time is up and uh, has caught up with us again, and there's loads more we could talk about. So do have a look at the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo this weekend, and uh, you read on all the other stories that we haven't had time to get to. Come back uh, to those, Jim, next week. We can indeed. And there's a picture there in the Clare Champion this week of a stone-throwing competition. We haven't time to talk about it, but I'd love to know the rules. Anyway, uh, Janice Kelly, many thanks for joining us You're today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Pat O'Brien, thank you too. Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming, many thanks, David. Thanks, Jim. Uh, we'll be here again next Sunday uh, at 2 o'clock, so we'd look forward to you then. Pat, you're going to play us out? Well, Fr Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Well, Frankie was 88 on Tuesday last. The same so, age as Engelbert? Engelbert, yeah. Well, Engelbert was on Monday and Frankie was on Tuesday. Okay. So we'll, <laughs> we'll have from, from Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Big, big girls don't cry. Big read, girls don't read, cry. Just okay. read the top of that. It's one John is handing me a piece here. It's from the Clare Champion. Your chance to touch history a famine era excavation in Clare, and we'll talk about and it next week. Yeah, just so a lot of people, they're looking for amateur archaeologists to join. Yeah, uh, okay. Let's, we'll leave it at that so for today. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on local media this week. Uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Goodbye and God bless. <laughs>